0: My name is Matt McFadden. Uh, I'm glad to be standing in front of you guys today. Arthur and Bennard are down in LaGrange uh, preaching live down there. And how many of you guys enjoyed Bennard last week? Was he not awesome? Yeah, man. I think my favorite thing he said last week was, My friends, if you come to Kenya, I will work you like a donkey. And so I love that. That was hilarious. And so we're so excited to partner with him and the ministry that he's doing in Kenya. And we're taking a trip this summer. So if you want, um, if you'd like to go, you can just shoot us an email, let us know. And uh, we would love for you to join us. And I can't wait to hear all the stories about the gospel being spread, you know, through the hands and feet that God has here all the way around the world. And uh, it's just going to be great. I know it will. So uh, turn with me to uh, the book of Psalms 121, Psalm 121. I had a friend of mine say, quit saying Psalms 121, it's Psalm, Psalm 121, that's where we're going to be today, and um, I'm excited to share a message, this is a very simple message, it's nothing deep and profound, uh, but I really feel like this is a message that's going to help some people in here today because it helped me. You know, every time it seems like I come uh, to speak or I'm scheduled to speak, uh, you know, it's like, okay, Lord, what are you going to walk me through now? And, you know, what trial are you going to carry me through so I can, you know, so I can speak from that experience. It seems that way every single time. And so today's no different. Today's the idea of help. When I'm in a difficult time, when I'm faced with a trial, who do I turn to for help and where do I go? And let me ask you this question. question. Let me start with this. What's your first instinct? When you face a a storm head on, what is your first instinct? Who do you turn to first for your help? Is it good? Is it bad? Does it add to your struggle sometimes? Sometimes it does for me, for sure. It just kind of adds complication. But that's the the question today, all right? The question is, is who are you going to turn to for your help? Let's read uh, Psalm 121. You can go to southcrest.church forward slash notes and follow along there as well. If you don't have a paper Bible, you can pull out your phone. Uh, but Psalms one, Psalm 121 it says this, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, and the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. How many of y'all are thankful for a passage like that in your life? That's what I'm talking about. It's my opinion, so you can take it or leave it, but I believe that everyone needs some form of help at all times, that the condition of the human heart is simply a cry for help. Now, it could be something simple like, hey, I need help fixing my car. It could be something serious like I'm going through this difficulty at home, but we all need help. Life is full of tragedy and difficulty. That's a certainty that we're, that we're going to face these things. And I heard it said once that you know, life is like a series of storms. We hear that, right? You're either going into a storm, you're dead in the middle of a storm, or you're just coming out of one. And you can almost set your watch, you know, your life's watch by the storms and, and the things that we walk through. So the question isn't if you're going to need help. The question is simply, <clears throat> excuse me, when will you need help, and who are you going to turn to for that help? Um, so I have this list of of problems, and I, I I just I wanted to kind of walk through these things that we face on a regular basis as human beings on the earth, and maybe today, as you're sitting here listening to this, you fit into one of these categories. Number one, health concerns. Maybe you yourself are going through a difficulty, maybe a physical ailment or you're struggling with a, a disease or you're struggling you're sick and you can't seem to kick a, a cold or the flu or whatever it might be. You know, that's a trial. That can be a struggle. That can be something difficult to walk through. Or maybe you're in perfect health, but yet you have a family member who may be aging, a mom, a dad, a, a grandmother, grandfather, who is, is you know, we're seeing, you know, some, their, their life kind of wither away. You know, that's, that's difficult to watch. And for a lot of us, our loved ones are dear to us, and that is a burden that we carry. Number two is, is health problem. I'm sorry, financial problems, right? We just heard the story from Mark, and I'm grateful that he shared that story, but um, he's had two jobs in his life, and he just found out that the, the company he's working for is cl- literally closing the doors this month. He doesn't have a job on the horizon, and so he's literally walking into a test, He's walking into a trial and a struggle, and probably for most of us in here, if, that, if we face that, that would be that'd be crazy, right? Anxiety and issues and all this stuff, or maybe you, you have a job, but maybe you have an unusual amount of stuff breaking, all right? I mean, I know we all go through that kind of a season. I got to pray for a friend a couple of weeks ago, and they were like, man, it seems like everything's breaking. My savings account went from here to, like, here, and uh, so pray for me, you know? It's hard. It's difficult. Or maybe a relationship issue, challenges with your marriage right? A disagreement at home. We all go through those. Uh, Maybe you have a a friend that you're struggling with. I don't know. Uh, Maybe you sit next to a coworker who is the worst person in the world to sit by and you've been doing it for 10 years and you're like, Lord, please deliver me from this trial. And he's like, I'm sorry, you're you're stuck. So, um, or relationship with yourself. You know, this is a very real thing here. Maybe you're struggling to find inner peace in your life. Maybe you're trying to figure out your passion and your purpose. Um, I know people that, that begin to advance in age, they have midlife crisis, and they're worried about, like, I don't know what I'm here, I've wasted my life on this or that, or they're struggling with that. It's a very real thing, and anxiety can come from that, and sleepless nights, and we know, we know the story. Or maybe you need some spiritual guidance. You know, maybe you're going through, as we say in Christianity, and you're is, is going through kind of a dry season where you feel distant from the Lord, and you're just like, I'm not hearing from him. I'm struggling here. Maybe you don't understand how to handle things, or, or maybe you're just simply dealing with consequences from poor decisions maybe a year, two, five, ten years ago. I know people that are doing that today. It's like, man, I'm still dealing with the consequences of decisions I've made a long time ago. And you know, we could keep adding to this list, but we get the picture, right? We get that life is full of struggles. So I need some crowd participation here for a second. I want everybody to repeat after me at the top of your lungs. Say, I need help. There we go. Very good. So congratulations. You have completed the first step to recovery. You guys are well on your way. I'm happy and and excited for you. And uh, so we're going to dive into Psalm 121 here in just a second and kind of break it down. But three things I wanted to share with you before I get into that. You know, I've seen just working in church uh, from basically my whole adult life, um, helping people. um, I see people struggle with making poor decisions when they are actually in a trial or in the middle of a struggle and they make poor decisions as it pertains to getting help. And so three things I've seen. Number one, I think denial is a really big deal. I think a lot of times in life we might be facing an addiction or we might be facing a struggle and we want to pretend it does not exist. We want to stick it in the closet and we're like, nah man, that that thing ain't real. I don't have a problem. It's not there, but we know the reality is, is until we face that thing head on, it will not go away, period. And I'll just be, I'll be transparent with you guys today. A handful of years ago, I had three very close individuals in my life, Um, three different occasions, not linked or anything like that, but people I trusted and loved. And I was, I was hurt by them. I was done wrong by these individuals. And you know, I, I'll, you know, here I am, this Christian, and I'm like, yeah, I forgave them, it's okay. But yet, it just festered, and it festered, and it festered. And every time I thought of these, these people's names, and I knew unforgiveness, it, 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 I was dealing with it. And I, did, I was in denial, like, I don't have an issue. But in reality, I did. And I carried this problem, and it just opened the door to all kinds of stuff in my life. And so I had, to, I had to get real with the Lord and say, okay, God, man, i got this bitterness in my life. I can't get over this, Lord. I, I need to truly forgive these people. I, it needs to be real. And so I sought some counsel, and I talked to a, a mentor of mine. He's like, how, how have you done this? And so he gave me some, uh, some examples and some experience from his own personal experience. Like, yeah, I've dealt with it. Here's how you do it. And so... Man, I did it, I, ha- I handled the situation, and, and I can tell you today, standing up here, I've, I've forgiven those people. It's like this burden has lifted off of me. You know, it's an amazing thing. And so, number one, denial. Number two, pride. I think pride gets the best of us. When we're struggling with problems and trials, we don't want people's help. We don't want to admit that our marriage is struggling because we gotta, we gotta maintain this, well, this, hello brother, this Christian thing, and we don't wanna get real with people and ask for help. You know, pride gets in the way. We're afraid of what people will say. Knowing that everybody in the room struggles from time to time, but we want to put on this facade that, oh, it's good. I'm good. The year was 1962. I loved the game of basketball. Uh, I wish I could watch it more and uh, played it through high school and absolutely loved the sport. I think it's amazing. 1962 in March, People argue that the greatest single basketball game ever played in the history of the world was played on March the 2nd. That's when Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in one game by himself, right? That's unbelievable, right? Amazing, uh, amazing game. They said they would put three defenders on him and he would score and basically just, he just dominated the game. He shot 36 for 63 from the field. And here's what's nuts. He shot 28 of 32 from the free throw line. That's crazy percentage, crazy. But here's the interesting part of the story. If you look back at his career, he's actually a horrible free throw shooter. The man is terrible from the free throw, right? He's a big, tall guy. They kind of call it the curse of the big man, right? These guys are strong, and they're just under the goal all the time. And you put them on the free throw line all by themselves, you know, only a handful of feet away, and they just simply cannot make a basket, you know? They're just terrible at it. He needed help, and so there's a guy, his name's Rick Berry, he's in the the NBA as well, went to Wilt and taught him how to make free throws underhanded, right? You know the granny shot? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? The granny shot? Y'all know the granny shot? Uh, That's how he taught Wilt Chamberlain to shoot the free throw. Um, This guy was phenomenal. I mean, he would miss maybe seven shots a season. That's how good and accurate he was shooting this underhanded free throw, People nowadays, they miss like 150 if they're bad at it, right? So it's like crazy statistics. So sure enough, Wilton Chamberlain shoots that way. During this game, he shot 100 points. Underhanded free throw. Could you imagine this guy shooting like this? I know, it's silly, right? Uh, Nobody wants to do that. It's like, that's embarrassing. Anyway, fast forward. The next season, he goes back to shooting free throws overhanded. And of course, his percentage plummets. I mean, terrible. It goes back down to, I believe, like something like 40% or something crazy. And uh, later on in life, he was interviewed, and this is exactly what he said. They were like, why did you stop shooting free throws like that? You were shooting the lights out. And he's like, I didn't want people to call me a sissy. I was afraid of what people would say about me. Rick Barry's like, it doesn't matter what people are saying about you. You're making shots. That's the point of the game. You put it in there. And so he allowed his pride. He, he needed help, right? He struggled. He found help, was very successful, and then immediately turns around and says, nope, I don't want people to, to think this is silly, to make fun of me, right? So pride gets in the way. And then finally, we seek help, help from the wrong sources. I've seen a lot of people deal with very difficult struggles in their life where they'll i don't know lose a loved one or i don't know something very, very serious, and they'll turn to coping mechanisms where they'll they'll deal they'll go start doing drugs or, or they they'll look to pornography or they'll look to alcohol to cope with this problem and uh what's happening is actually that's adding to the issue, and life continues to spiral out of control, and then all of a sudden their you know anxiety here and their life they just simply can't get control, and they don't understand why. And honestly, it goes back to who are we looking to for our help because we all face trouble, right? We all face trouble. So Psalm 121, let's break this down for a few minutes. Um, so I know, listen, I know we all understand life is full of troubles and we need time, some form of help from time to time. Well, this is David talking about help that he, that he was seeking, Right. Psalm 121 is, uh, some people call this the soldier's psalm, right? Some people believe that David's in the hillside and he's, he's hiding in a cave or maybe behind some rock and he's about to go into battle and he's looking around and he's seeing this beautiful landscape and he's asking himself this question. I'm looking at these mountains, I'm about to go into battle, where does my help actually come from? It's a great question, right? Other people believe it's the traveler's psalm right? It's, it's the, the Ascension Psalm where he's traveling to Jerusalem, right? You've got to walk up to Jerusalem every year, or maybe he's traveling abroad. He's about to walk into some trouble, and he's seeing these mountains, and he's asking himself the question, where does my help come from? So Psalms 121, starting in verse 1, it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I'm seeing this, these mountains. Where does my help come? come from. Let me ask you this question. I got a picture of a mountain range here. Beautiful. Everest, I mean just incredible, right? When you think of mountains, what what do you think of? Like what are your thoughts? You th- you think a picture of majesty, you, you picture strength. Like nobody is moving that. That is solid. It's not going anywhere. Right? That's what you think about. And when a person is you know you're you're a christian and you're 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 walking your faith out each and every day and you're walking along and all of a sudden you come into some trouble and what do you do you begin to look around you begin to scan whether you do it inside or physically you begin to look around and see david he would see these hillsides and these mountains and you know i studied it out he would have seen depending on where he was he would have seen a little bit more than just a mountain right Back then, Palestine was overrun by pagan worship, right? They, they had... Pagan worship was always done up on the hillside or the high places, right? They would erect these Asherah poles or these, these shrines they would build. Uh, they would plant specific trees and stuff, crazy stuff. Uh, there would be marketplaces for people to go buy these, uh, these pagan relics or the jewelry to appease certain gods. And so it's interesting to think that, that as he's walking along, he probably saw this scene where people were being lured in. Hey, you need help. Hey, come here. You need help. So there were spells and enchantments and things sold and, and all these people were being lured up into the mountains and he's seeing this, he's seeing this happen and he's asking the question, where does my help come from? You know, maybe your crops are dying, well, well okay, come on in, we'll, we'll pray for the enhancement of the land or, or, oh, you got some demons haunting you, okay, well, come on in, you know, we'll, we'll pray for that, evil's haunting you. You know, David, he, he uses some of the, the sun and the moon, you know, so do you fear, do you fear the sun? Well why don't you come over here to the sun priest and say a prayer and get protection? Are you afraid of being moonstruck, right? Lunacy and, and being afraid of the moon at night. Well, come pray to the, the moon uh, priestess and buy a piece of jewelry. You spend your money, give us your money, and you'll get protection, right? Oh, you need some money. Okay, well come pray to the come on up this hill and let's pray to the God of wealth. Right? And on and on and on. You got an issue, there's a God to uh to solve it, right? Hundreds and hundreds, I don't know how many there are. Tons and tons and tons. And David is seeing this happen. And he's asking himself, he's seeing these mountains, this beautiful picture of protection, right? He's seeing pagan worship potentially. and He's saying, I see all this, but where does my help actually come from? Does it come from Baal? Does it come from Asherah, the sun priest? No. He moves on. And he talks about where his help comes from. So let me ask you this question real quick before we go on to verse two. Where are you prone to turn to in your time of need? Where do you go to when you're struggling? Because I promise you, if it's not the Lord, if it's not godly counsel, if it's not his word, whatever it is or whatever they are, whoever they are, they cannot deliver and they will lead you astray each and every time. The only one we can depend on is Jesus Christ himself. So verse two, let's move on. Verse two, my help, he says, look to the mountains. Where's my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I love this word help. It's very, it's, it's very self-explanatory, but it means assistance. It means support in the time of hardship. When you need it, your help is from the Lord. If you dive into that word a little bit deeper, uh, it, it's interesting because it means girding. It means surrounding you. It means defending you. And when you're in the middle of life and you feel like you're catching it from all angles and you can't catch your breath and when something else breaks, something else happens and this is happening and school is calling because of my kids and my job is falling apart and my relationship's at home, I can't catch a break. If you feel that way, here's what happens. When you call on the name of the Lord, he surrounds you and he protects you and nothing can get to you. He's your help. He's your help. We get into, we're set on our way, we're walking through life, we walk into some trouble, we begin looking around and we see these mountains, right? We see this false instant help. You know, I don't think we walk around, we don't go down, downtown noon and see these shrines set up anywhere anymore, but I still feel like it's very similar today, that, that we have all these things, these millions of things that distract us from, from very simple things to even very dangerous things. When you're in trouble, where do you turn to for your help? You see, our help doesn't come from the creation. No, our help comes from the creator, not the creation. That's what David's saying. Yeah, I see these big, tall, strong mountains. I see all this craziness built up around Palestine and all this stuff, but that has zero power. That has no strength. That cannot help me. It will not deliver. The only thing, the only one that can help me in my time of need is the one that made it. The one that spoke it into existence. Oh, he's the one. He's the one that can help me. And he's the one that I'm going to turn to. And that's what he's encouraging us. I think uh, many, many, many years later, he's trying to encourage us too that when we walk into this, no matter where we are, that we put our trust in him. And that we put ourselves under his protection no matter what and say, no, I'm trusting him. I'm doing this thing. I believe him. All right, moving on. We're going to read uh, verses three. He says that I will not let your foot slip. This word slip here in the Aramaic basically means that he's not going to let your foot deviate from the right course. You may sprain your ankle. You may kick a rock. You may stub your toe through life, right? Go through struggles. But he will protect you and keep you on the correct path. You can take it to the bank. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life and the Lord watches over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. I find it interesting that David makes reference to this idea of sleeping, right? That's, that's a reference back to Baal and this God who would party, you know, crazy, and then he would go into these deep sleeps, and, and there were priests and people, and their sole job was to wake him up, right? Oh, we need Baal. Let's go wake him up. He's been partying too hard. Hey, wake up. You know, and what David is saying, he's like, man, Baal's sleeping. These false guys, it's nothing. It's fake. Our God will never sleep. You can, in the middle of the night, in your darkest moment of your life, when you feel all alone, you can call on his name, Jesus. And guess who's going to answer you? He's going to answer you. Doesn't matter. He's not sleeping. He's watching your coming and your going both now and forever more. I love that. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6 it says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, my defender. He's girded around me. He's protecting me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I love that version. Another another translation is what can man do to me, right? What strength and confidence, man, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what any of y'all do. You can't affect me because he's my helper. He's protecting me. He's eager to defend me. No evil can separate us. We know this from, from the purpose that God has for us. From his love, nothing can separate us from his love. Eugene Peterson, he makes this, this quote. He says that on every page of the Bible, there's a recognition that faith encounters trouble. Right? I'm sorry, when you became a Christian, if you were told, yeah, your life's full of candy and, and popsicles and it's just going to be great and you're just going to sip coffee until Jesus comes back. It's going to be awesome. Well, no, it's not true, right? We know that, that we're going to face trial. And even in the Lord's Prayer, it's like, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, right? It's a guarantee, it's a guarantee. And Psalms, Psalm 121 basically is a reminder. David's repeating the promises of God that he watches over me, that he guards me, that he protects me, and his gaze is forever on me. And I may be down there walking through a trial, and I may be going through something very hard in my life, but his gaze is ever on me, and my foot will not deviate from the right course. It doesn't matter how difficult it gets. He's guarding me. He's protecting me. Eugene Peterson, he also makes this analogy. He says, all of the water in the ocean cannot sink a boat unless it gets inside. And all of the trouble in life can't, can't wreck us either unless we allow it to get in us. And the promise here is that he's protecting us. He's surrounding us. It's not going to let it get inside. He's protecting. We may be going through something hard, We may be struggling, we may be feeling alone, but we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he's our defender. I love that. Romans 8 talks about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. And we know also in that same passage is that all things work together for the good of those who love him. It's powerful. These reminders, these promises, and so many times in life, do I forget them? Walk into this thing, and I walk around the, you know, the whole world, and it's just like, oh yeah, I was supposed to go to you first. I'm sorry, Lord, I wasted a whole heck of a lot of time. You know, we struggle through that. So, what kind of help can the Lord provide for us? Here's how I want to close for the next few minutes. Um, grow I grew up in a very godly home, and, and my dad loved the Lord and. Uh, still does today and just was an ex- incredible example to me. And we always had this picture on the wall. He still has it on the wall today, but it's the seven redemptive names of God. And, um, they were impactful to me then, and they're still impactful to me today. And I kind of wanted to walk them through with you for just a minute before we close. And these names are prefaced with the word Jehovah. Or Yahweh, both of those words are interchangeable, uh, very, very closely related. And it means God's, it has to do with God's relationship to me. It has to do with God's relationship to man, to you and to you. Yahweh, Jehovah, he is the Lord. He is my Lord. And so when you use the word Jehovah, that's referring to God's relationship to us. And so I want to walk through a few of these with you today. There's more than this, but I just wanted to kind of walk through a quick list with you before we close. And here's what I want you to do over the next couple of minutes. I want you to do an inventory of your own heart. I want you to ask yourself, what area in my life right now do I need the Lord's help in? What am I struggling through? What have I just walked through? What am I in the middle of and I need his help? The very first one is Jehovah-Rohi. Jehovah rohi the lord is my shepherd. I love this one. First Peter 2:25 says for you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. Maybe you're in here today and you need to call upon the lord your shepherd because maybe you feel lost. You feel like you're just wandering around in life and you don't have per- you're just trying to figure it out and you're like I don't know what I'm doing here today. I'm lost, I'm numb to the world and and I need need a shepherd in my life. And you might be in here today saying, you know what, God, I'm crying out to you, Lord, my shepherd, I trust you and I trust that you're gonna lead me the whole way. You're not gonna forsake me. The Lord is my shepherd. Number two, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. I love this one. Many of you in here today may need to call upon the Lord that provides for you. You might be in here, you might be in a great need. You may have lost your job. You may be looking for a job. You need to call upon the Lord, say, God, would you provide for me? Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The next one is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Man, I love this one. Maybe you're in here today and you need to call upon the Lord that heals you. You're sick and you can't kick this thing. Or maybe you have a loved one in your life that can't kick it either. And you're in need of help. God, I need help. God, I'm going to call upon the Lord that heals me. Matthew eight seventeen says, He took our infirmities and He bore our diseases. He's, he's the Lord that heals us. Number four, Jehovah Sid Canoe. The Lord, our righteousness. If you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you've just been going through this life and you've never surrendered your heart to him, you may need to call on the Lord, your righteousness today. He's the righteous savior. This is what it says in Jeremiah 23, 6. This is the name by which he is called the Lord, our righteous savior. God, I need help. God, will you save me? Maybe you need to say that prayer today. The next one. Jehovah Shalom this is a good one, the Lord our peace. He's the Lord our peace. Our lives are so fast and so crazy. You know, we've got school activities and the kids got to be here and I've got work and I've got the house and the house is a mess. And I've got laundry piling out into my, you know, my life is just stressful and it's chaos. I need some peace in my life right now. Anxiety's through the roof. I'm taking medication for it. Uh, I, I'm doing this and that and I, God, I, I don't have peace in my life struggling. John 14, 27 says, peace. I leave you my peace. I give you. I do not give it as the world gives it. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Maybe you're in here and you need to call on the Lord, our peace, the Lord, our peace. The next one, Jehovah Shama, the Lord is present. I love the promise there that he's there. And maybe you're feeling alone today and maybe you're, you're, you're single and you go home to an empty apartment every night and you're just there by yourself and you're like, I am dying on the inside. I feel all alone. Or maybe you're in the midst of a crowded room today and you're surrounded by tons and tons of people, but you simply don't you just don't feel the closeness of the Lord and you need to call out for him. Today It says in Romans eight eleven it talks about how Jesus, uh, he, is, he lives in you and his spirit is in you and he is close. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And this last one, Jehovah Nisi. I love this one as well. I love them all. The Lord, my banner. This picture I love to, t- I love to, to share is, think about this massive army, right? Think about Braveheart or something crazy where there's a sea of people and they're all raising this banner, Right, and it's the Lord, it's Jehovah Nisi on it. It's this beautiful picture that He fights for us. Romans eight thirty one talks about how who it, the Lord is for us, who can be against us. Maybe you're in here and you're just exhausted. You're like, I can't face another battle. I have nothing left in me, and you need the Lord to step up and fight for you. He's your canopy. He's your protection. He's your covering. He's your banner. So let me ask you this question as we wrap up and we get, to get ready to close. What, what name, what name do you need to call on today? What name do you need to call on today? You might be in here and say, Matt, all seven actually, I need the Lord. I need all of those actually in my life. Lord, that heals you. Lord, your peace. Lord, that's present. He's near. Lord, that fights for you. Lord, that leads you. Man, the Lord that provides for you. In what way do you need help today? And if you've been running around every which other way, freaking out, worrying about your tomorrow and all this stuff, Today's the time to center yourself back on the Lord. I want you to ask yourself, I'm, I, I see the mountains. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. I see all this stuff, God. But where does my help come from? It only comes from you. There's no other place it comes from.